if you park your money in all safe money, inflation is going to chew your portfolio and your income and spit it out. And so inflation is that silent killer to a retirement plan. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the delivery. Well, I don't know if you've ever built a house before or gone through that process, but that's what we're going to focus on today. We're talking about how to build a financial house. And we're doing so because, look, financial planning is not always the most exciting topic for a lot of people, but building a house can be. It can be exciting to try to put together your dream home and, and build it from start to finish. So we want to make that comparison and, and kind of explain to you how financial planning works compared to building a financial house. So welcome into Perfect Game Retirement. I am Ben George. He's Ryan Led. Ryan, good to talk to you again. How you been? Uh, we've been doing well. We've been uh, getting back to as much business as usual. And, and slowly we continue to, to meet more and more people in, in person, still doing a lot of virtual stuff, but yeah, more and more people are wanting to come in and some people don't care if we wear a mask. Uh, some some do and that's fine, but I just like seeing seeing people eyeball to eyeball. It's great to get back to that side of the of the business. Yeah, no question. Have you ever built a house before? Have you ever gone through that construction process or drawn up blueprints or anything like that? Well, that's why this this topic definitely, I could really relate to it because uh, yes, we just went through this process uh, this last year. So I guess we moved into our house that we built last November. Uh, so not quite a year. We're uh, creeping up on that one year mark. So yes, the the entire previous year. So basically all of 19, part of 18. Uh, we've had some land for a few years and then we started the uh, building process. So it, it's definitely something I know quite a bit about and don't want to have to do it for a long time. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to getting your perspective on how financial planning is much like constructing a home. And we'll do that today on Perfect Game Retirement. Let me remind you too, you can find us online, blackoakam.com. You can find all the past episodes there, but also uh, Ryan's got his ticking tax time bomb toolkit. It's a retirement rescue toolkit that you can request for free. He'll ship it out to you. All you got to do is put in your information right there on his website. You'll see it on the front page as soon as you log on, blackoakam.com. You can also call their office too if you're looking to set up a meeting or discuss what we're talking about today. Even further, you can do so at 470-508-0508. So I want to start off with a little headline first before we hop into the show because I think this has been a big topic throughout the year, throughout the pandemic, you know, one of the strongest sectors has been the housing market. It seems like it's been going stronger than ever. And a lot of that's due to the interest rates, right? I mean, the, it's been crazy to see, and I've talked to people that have gotten interest rates under three, which I know if you talk to like our parents would be crazy to think about, right? Because I mean, we've seen interest rates, they saw interest rates in the the teens, you know, for a lot of their life. So seeing it where it is now is pretty, pretty crazy. But what what's your perspective on this in terms of uh, should people go out and you know is this a good time to buy a home? Not saying hey go buy a home just because the rates are where they are, but is it a good time to buy a home or or be looking at that refinancing? Yeah, I think it is for the most part. Uh, I've had clients that's probably outside of COVID and election related items and questions that people have. A lot of my clients, this is probably number three as far as the the most relevant topic and, and questions that they're asking is is refining. So I do think with interest rates, I mean, there's a there's a good and a bad with interest rates being so low. Uh, obviously, with mortgages having interest rates so low, it's great. Uh, people can can definitely save on a lot of interest payments throughout the course of a mortgage, whether it's 
10, 15, 20, 30 years, uh, however long the duration is. Obviously, the downside of that is, is people want to park safe money somewhere and the, the safe money's not paying anything. So there's a, there's a give and take there because banks and financial institutions are not charging us a whole lot in interest. Well, they can't pay depositors a whole lot of interest either. There's got to be a spread there between the two. And so I have gotten this question, oh, I hear the, the Fed is dropping the, the interest rates to 0%. My mortgage rate's going to be 0%. No, it's not, not how it works at all. Um, so when, when the Fed talks about things like that and they change interest rates, it does a lot, many times affect what the uh, rate that banks will, will charge us. But that's usually that 0% rates in between banks, not between individuals. <laughs> banks are going to make money. And, and so they're, they're going to charge us an interest rate. That being said, like you already mentioned it, I mean, rates are so low. And I just mentioned that we just uh, officially closed on our house last November and we're actually going to refi our house. Uh, we're <laughs> in the process of refiing our house right now because we started in a 30 and rates were around, I think ours is uh, 4.375. And I kind of kept my eye on it, but I just kept thinking, okay, it just still doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. And then rates continue to go down below three. And so we're actually going to refi into a 15 versus a 30. And I really want to urge people to look at that. Not only are, is your interest rate a good bit lower than a 30, it's, it's crazy on how much interest you pay, excuse me, less you pay uh, over the long haul yeah. of, that, of that loan. Now, obviously your mortgage payment is going to go up, but it doesn't double. Like amortization tables do not work like that. And so some people, most people know that, but some people when I say, hey, ask them, ask them what a 15 year looks like based off your monthly payment. What's that look like? Well, I don't want my payment to double. That's not how it works. Uh, so ask a lender, ask someone uh, who you know in your area that would run what that mortgage payment would be on a 15-year versus a 30-year. For us, it did increase the monthly payment. But when I look at it, saves us about $260,000 in interest Whew. versus a 30 plus is a 15. I'm like, okay, I can pay several hundred dollars more and then end up saving $260,000. So it's definitely worth looking at. It doesn't mean I did have one client who reached out to a, to a broker and it didn't really make sense for her particular situation, but it is worth inquiring about and asking about for sure. Yeah. We, we bought our, our home uh, in December of 18 and that was like almost, if you go back like the, the last five years or so, that's probably almost like the peak, like as soon as we bought, it started going down. So we refied at the beginning of all this. And I mean, maybe even refied too early. We, we, we dropped our, our rate by more than a point. So obviously we, we did really well, but you know, even if we would have waited a couple more months, which you can't, you know, you can't time the, the interest rates, like you can't time the market, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, you look yeah. back on it, it's crazy. But I think of it as like an opportunity for a lot of people, maybe a little bit younger, more closer to our age, Ryan, you know, late thirties, early forties that have an opportunity to get in this 15 year mortgage and, and pay off a house well before retirement. It just seems like such a great opportunity right now for many people. Yeah. And the way I looked at it too, not only because I'm such a math nerd looking at the amount of interest that I say, but then I look at my kids' situation and their ages, they're nine and six. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, if I, if I just pay the exact amount for the next, you know, 15 years, obviously they're still going to be in school or beyond. But knowing that if I did pay extra along the way, that may, that may even shorten it even more. So to have a potential house paid off and while my kids are potentially, you know, maybe in that college age, or if not, maybe a little bit older or weddings, whatever those yeah. big expenses are going to be. And I don't have a, I don't have a mortgage payment. Well, so that's why it was just a no brainer for me being 42 years old and thinking, 
you know, wow, in 15 years and in, in my mid to late fifties, I'm going to have a paid for house. So it was, that's, that's what really nudged me in that direction for sure. But again, definitely worth uh, chasing that rabbit down the hole to see if it, if it makes sense. And then you can do a, a cost uh, analysis on, you know, the closing costs and all that, how, mm-hmm. how quickly you can recoup that. So there's ways to find out how quickly you can do and how much it makes sense to uh, potentially refi. Yeah, it's not going to make sense for everyone, but you definitely want to sit down and at least have those conversations to see if it makes makes sense for you and fits within your plan and maybe save you some money in the long run. But definitely a big topic of conversation for Ryan and his clients and quite a bit of people right now. Well, let's transition to our, our main topic today. It's uh, building a financial house. So as I mentioned, you know, the idea of put, putting together a financial plan for everybody is not the most exciting. Doesn't sound like the most fun process for many people that aren't math people like yourself, Ryan. But you know, the idea of building a home sounds like a lot of fun. So let's talk about the similarities between the two. And you're coming off this experience of just getting done with a home not too long ago. So you're fresh with all these topics and can help us uh, really understand this process. So begin with uh, the basic. The, the most important part of the home is the foundation. If you don't have a foundation, a strong foundation, the rest of the home is not going to be very sturdy. So what would that be for a financial plan? Yeah. And I love this analogy too, because you, you mentioned it before. Not not everybody loves this kind of topic of discussion of, of creating a retirement uh, plan and, and using that analogy to a financial house because most of us have some sort of place that they live in, whether it's a house or townhome or condo or an apartment, but we get the analogy. So yeah, definitely the foundation is the single most important part because when it comes to an income plan, that's what we know is going to be coming in every single month. So your foundation, if it's not set right, if it's on uneven ground, then you're gonna have you're gonna have trouble. And just like if you don't have a good income plan with knowing you got fixed certain amount of fixed income coming in every single month to hopefully you know, cover those overhead costs, those fixed overhead costs that you're going to have to to live, it's going to be more stressful in retirement. And I'll, again, going back to my example of us building a house. So where our house is, it's on a, it's on a slope. So it was a good house to build on uh, for a basement. But on one back side, the builder was like, hey, we got kind of shaky ground on one side. So again, I don't remember the technical terms. And so excuse my ignorance when it comes to this part of the construction process, but they had to drill way down into the ground and put cement down there just to shore up uh, the ground. And so that was, I think it was 1500 bucks. And so it was well worth doing that than having, you know, a crack foundation mm-hmm. and you have to pay even more later. So it's the same thing in retirement. So whether people have pensions, which not many do anymore. Obviously, outside of government entities, there's just not a lot of private uh, sector pensions. And even the ones that do, you know, they give a lot of times they give lump sum options. And so maybe that's a way to create more income uh, on your own. So you can do an analysis on a lump sum option versus a private pension to see if it makes sense. But we want to take pensions. We want to take, uh, obviously, Social Security income. Again, I still have people wanting to argue about Social Security saying, oh, it's not going to be there. It's not going to be there. To plan like it's not going to be there, I think is a little bit irresponsible. Uh, and I've mentioned this before. Okay, if we want to do a reduced amount, I'm okay with that. But still, people who are knocking on the door of retirement now, they're going to get their full benefit. It's going to be people who are younger that may have to pay more of a price, if you will, whether that's in more taxes or less benefit. There's there's a lot of things they can do to shore up uh, social security and kick the can down the road, which they're, the government's really good at doing. <laughs> so having that foundation, having that income plan, knowing exactly, Hey, 
first of the month hits, I know I got X number of dollars coming in and here's our budget. So you have to have a budget to go with that. So income plan and that foundation is, uh, is, is the single most important part to people when they get to retirement. Very good. So you got your income plan in place, your foundation in place. Now it's time to build the walls. You can't have a house without a wall, without walls built up. So let's talk about the walls and how that fits into a plan. Yeah. So the walls, obviously, metaphorically, you know, they're going up and, and, and providing uh, rooms and, and protection from the outside elements. But the, the walls are, are going to go up. That's where we can design things uh, and get maybe creative. And so that's more of our investment plan. And so you need to have an investment plan. Obviously, people's risk is all over the map, depending on how risky or how conservative they want or even need to be. But you need to have something invested because going back to our previous discussion, as far as the headlines go, safe money is just not paying anything right now. It's The interest rates are so low. Bonds uh, yield, bond yields are not doing well. I mean, you mentioned it back in the early 80s. I mean, bond yields were anywhere from 6 to 8 to 12%. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, CD rates were, were running at that. Even as late as 2000, 2001, I found an old bank statement and it had CD rates at, at 5.5% for wow. a six-month CD. I mean, who would not kill for a 5.5% CD, six-month term CD? So it's not like you're having to lock your money up that long. So you got to have some money invested into the market to, or whether that's in real estate, rental income, but you have to have something as a hedge against inflation. Because inflation, if you park your money in all safe money, inflation is going to chew your portfolio and your income and spit it out. And so inflation is that silent killer to a retirement plan, because if we don't factor that in, prices are going to continue to go up. And if you don't factor that in, then your monthly budget is just not going to go as far. So I get it. Investments are volatile. I don't have to say that uh, without people knowing that now with uh, obviously the last few months have been very volatile, but we've seen a lot of recovery and, and people who have stayed the course have, have echoed that saying, oh, wow, okay, my my accounts, depending on how they're invested, is doing well. It's getting back up to where it was. So you got to have the walls of the house to to be able to keep up with inflation, but you got to have some sort of investment plan and uh, you have to really mold it around how, how conservative or how risky that you want to be. But you have to have something to keep up with inflation. Have to. Okay. So we got an income plan, investment plan. Now we got to protect the things that we've built so far. And obviously the roof does that on the house. It protects you from all the elements, rain, snow, sun, whatever it is. So we need something that's going to protect all of our investments and our assets and our portfolio. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I mean, to be a true comprehensive planner, uh, you need to have the discussion on different types of insurance. And, and for some, you know, the investing side may not be uh, as fun to talk about, but some times insurance really puts people to sleep, but you have to have those protections in place. And that that covers a, a broad spectrum of things, whether it's homeowner's insurance. Uh, some people still want and need life insurance. I, I know the age old scenario is, hey, when I get to retirement, I'm not going to need life insurance anymore. Well, I've seen in many situations, life insurance is still very, very beneficial. And, and so just to assume that you don't need it anymore, um, I think is irresponsible as well. It's it's conversations you need to have. It's not for everybody, but sometimes we need it later in life than what we think about. So someone in you know, their 40s may be like, oh, I'm not going to need life insurance when I get to retirement. Well, 
maybe so, maybe not, but it's still something to talk about. Obviously, one of the hot button topics is long-term care. And when you mention long-term care, everybody assumes you're talking about long-term care insurance. Well, that could be one strategy to think about, but okay, are we going to self-insure, which self-insure is kind of an oxymoron if you think about it. But I get the point is, you know, stockpiling cash in case you need some type of care, you or your spouse. And, and the the stats are staggering. They continue to increase the, depending on the source that you look at, if you're a, you know, healthy 65-year-old married couple, there's a very, very good chance that one of you are going to live into your 90s and even better chance that you're going to need some sort of care. May not mean nursing home, may mean assisted living or in-home care, but those things need to be addressed because I mentioned inflation's the kind of the silent killer to people's portfolio, but needing some sort of care in retirement because that continues to go up even probably double the amount of inflation as far as costs go. That can really wipe out a portfolio if you're not planning for it or at least talking about it. But sticking your head on the your head in the sand on insurance planning is, is again very irresponsible when it comes to retirement. There's just different things to look at. You know, disability insurance, okay, may not be a need anymore because we're not working anymore. Okay, our income's already created. So those are some of the things we can probably let go. But then there's other things on the table that definitely need to be discussed to prevent a disastrous event happening. All right. So the last part of the building a home is uh, putting the final touches on it, you know, putting your stamp on it, your, uh, your input, your personality into the home. But, you know, it's like crown molding, built-in bookshelves, uh, custom-made furniture, that, that sort of thing. But when it comes to the finishing touches on your financial plan, what are we talking about there? Yeah. I mean, looking at your estate plan is kind of legacy planning. Uh, and this is probably of the four components of a of a financial house or a fiscal house, this is probably uh, statistically speaking too, this is the probably one that's least addressed. Some people think that their situation is very simplistic is, Hey, I have, you know, this IRA and social security and so does my spouse and that's it. Um, but you still want to address those things because a full estate plan, it could encompass a lot and having a conversation with an estate planning attorney, I think is very, very important. And just because you may not have millions and millions and millions of dollars doesn't mean that, you know, an estate plan is not important or having a trust or a living trust. These are conversations that need to be had because, you know, it, there could be a lot of changes coming down the pike. I mean, obviously we have an election year coming up. And so depending on, and I read an article the other day of comparison of Trump's tax plan, which we have now, and then Joe Biden's plan or proposal, I should say, uh, proposal of what his looks like. And so the estate tax could really drastically change. I mean, the limits are, are extremely high right now. It's a little over 11 million per individual. So it's a lot. It's, it's a big chunk of money that people don't have to worry about giving to generations and having to pay tax on it. But that plan could drastically change with, with Joe Biden's plan. So it's things to be aware of, but definitely, I mean, the bare minimum have some sort of will uh, in place. That way uh, you just... It's cleaner. It's easier. Uh, a will doesn't avoid probate. Uh, you still have to do that, but it's a whole lot smoother process if you have one versus not having one. But then inside of there depends on what you want for your medical directives, financial power of attorney. I mean, there's a lot of things to think about that when we sat down with our estate planning attorney that he started asking us questions that I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Now, some of the situations are pretty far-fetched, but still they're, they're things that can happen. And if you address those things and it just checks the boxes of 
things that you don't have to worry about or leave behind for those who have to worry about it once you're gone. Because I've just, I've worked with too many people and I've seen too many messes that are left behind because this kind of finishing touches of a house or the estate plan is not in place and sitting down with an attorney and paying a little bit of money to do it, I think is, is well worth it. Very good. Well, hopefully this helps people kind of envision the financial plan and kind of how it all gets constructed and, and the different aspects of it and why everything works together. Much like a home, all the pieces of a home work together to put the put together the entire structure that that works and, and is sturdy and secure and works for you. And I guess too, Ryan, to, to kind of put a, our final touches on this conversation would be, you know, very much like a home, you have to service things along the way, right? Like the roof will have to be replaced at some point, you know, your, your air conditioning, all, all these types of things will have to be updated and improved and just, you know, adjustments made as life progresses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it constantly needs because your your house is going to get beat up. Um, and, and so whether it's the elements outside, whether, you know, as a, as a metaphor there, is your portfolio, is it doing well? Is it taking a hit? Or has, how much has your life changed? And usually updating your will and estate plan every five to 10 years is, is crucial as well because life changes. Uh, people pass away. Some of those individuals who may have been beneficiaries on your accounts, those need to be adjusted because beneficiary forms on your retirement accounts trump anything that is written in your will. And so you need to make sure those kind of correspond to one another. So constantly updating things and uh, keeping a legacy drawer, if you will. Uh, sometimes that's not in a physical form anymore. A lot of these, um, like I know with our clients, we do have an online cloud-based client login. It's a vault, if you will, where people can keep all those important documents and forms. And that way there's only one login for the spouse to remember. So, but yeah, constantly updating these things. It, it, there's one certainty and certainty is change. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can find uh, Ryan and his team at Black Oak Asset Management online at blackoakam.com. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Let's turn now to the mailbag before we close out today's episode. Trinity in Powder Springs writes in at blackoakam.com. She writes, which of my accounts should I withdraw from first when I retire? My 401k, my Roth IRA, my brokerage account, that mainly consists of mutual funds or the extra cash that I have in the bank? That's an awesome question because it really does matter. And a lot of it has to do with how each of those accounts are held and how they're taxed and depending on what tax bracket you're in. So here's where tax planning really comes into play because it used to be uh, kind of like we hear about the 4% withdrawal rate or the 4% rule. You can take out 4% of your nest egg and create an income and you don't have to worry too much about your account dwindling to zero. Well, that may not be the case anymore. I've heard a lot of people, uh, a lot of academics in, in our industry say that it needs to be a good bit less than uh, 4%. Anyway, I, I'm, I digress. But these accounts, it, it really does depend because you want to be careful from a tax planning standpoint because a 401k, a Roth, a brokerage account, all those are taxed differently depending on the assets that are held. So not only does it matter what investments you have, it it matters what investments you have in the certain types of accounts because they're taxed differently depending on where they're held. So that right there, you can save on taxes just by putting certain investments in certain accounts. Uh, and, and a lot of people may not realize that. So that's something to be aware of. But also too, you have to take the tax code into consideration. Where is our income tax brackets? You know, How close are we to spilling over into the next tax bracket? And if we are really, really close, well, let's try to take out maybe some Roth money 
instead of IRA or 401k money, because that's going to prevent us from spilling over into the next tax bracket. And when you do that, it could mean that your brokerage account is taxed at a different rate. So there's so many nuances with this stuff. So, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but Trinity, it absolutely does matter how you pull your money out and it will make your portfolio last longer, especially if you're saving a good chunk on taxes and not having to pay as much to the IRS. So again, Ben, you mentioned it earlier, the the ticking tax time bomb uh, toolkit that we have. Go to the website, click on it. Again, we pay for everything. We pay for the shipping, but click on there, order it. We'll be happy to send it out. And it addresses a lot of these things. And if we want to unpeel you know, the layers of your situation, then we can have a separate conversation. But it absolutely does matter how you uh, take money out of these accounts and how long they do last. Yeah, great question, Trinity. You can find that uh, toolkit right there on the front of the website too. You can't miss it when you log on to blackoakam.com. You'll find it right there. Well, thanks for uh, breaking this down for us today, Ryan, this financial house. Hopefully some people reach out to you over Black Oak Asset Management that haven't put a plan together that might be a little more open to the idea and might uh, feel a little more comfortable with it. And they can sit down with you and start putting their blueprint together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's very important and this topic, you know, rung rung true to me just because of all that I've gone through with building a house and then refinancing, but keeping this stuff top of mind and, and having a plan is uh is is crucial. New episode coming out in a couple of weeks, so please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and you'll have it delivered right to you. And again, you can find every episode archived online at blackoakam.com. Thanks for joining us here on Perfect Game Retirement. We will talk to you on the next episode. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.